I had to set some very healthy boundaries in my life. Um, and a lot of it has to do with blaming because when I don't set, when I didn't set the healthy boundaries, right, I would be uncomfortable. I would do things because I was trying to please people or I felt like I was obligated or I was just, um, I won't say I was being manipulated, but it felt like I was being manipulated or whatever, or, you know, overly responsible. And so when I would do those things, then I would resent people and then I would eat to make myself feel better, you know? So one of the things I had to do was set up healthy boundaries. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, founder of Zivli. As a geriatric physical therapist, I saw the heartbreaking effects of insulin resistance. At Zivli, our mission is to help you prevent and reverse insulin resistance for long-term weight loss and disease prevention through a low insulin and inflammation lifestyle. Each week on this podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable tips to lose weight, keep it off, and get healthy. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Nolte, and I am so excited and so honored about our guest today. I do have a little disclaimer. We are going to be talking about God. We are going to be talking about faith and incorporating faith into your health journey. I totally understand uh, and respect those that don't want to bring faith into their health journey. Um, If you're not a person of faith, you're not a, a spiritual person that doesn't float your boat, now is the time to hop off of this interview without leading, leaving a negative podcast review. Um, hop back on next week when we're talking about a different topic. But I am so excited about today's guest. I'm actually going to let her introduce herself through her own words um, that she wrote in the Zivli community. Um, she has been a Zivli member for about a year and a half, and she's been very active in the Zivli community, both like posting her accountability items and posting wins and joining office hours and offering insights. And I feel like anytime I'm reading what she's writing or I'm hearing what she's saying, like little golden nuggets are just dropping down one after the other, after the other. And I thought this woman has wisdom. This woman has insight. And this woman has deep understanding of healing. Um, She has done so much inner work on herself. Um, She has so much value to bring to our Zivli members. Um, And I told her several times in office hours, I want to have you on the podcast someday. I want to have you on the podcast someday. And today is that day. And it just is a beautiful, a beautiful journey that I can't wait for you to hear. So I am going to read something directly that she wrote in the community just to give you a taste of the depth of her own personal journey and reflection. And then we'll dive into her story and really focus today on how how mental and emotional and spiritual health are so intimately tied to your physical health and how to get over negative, critical self-talk and how to get over lies, even subconsciously that you've believed for decades that have really been leading to self-sabotage with your health. It's going to be such an amazing interview and I can't wait for you to hear it. So in her own words, this is so fantastic. This last month, 
I was in a place of getting ahead of God or helping him along, however you want to look at it. Then this morning, God torched my soul with the realization that what he promised me concerning my weight loss and healthy lifestyle was still happening, but that I was grabbing onto something I personally thought was supposed to happen next and was running away with it, expecting him, God, to bring it to fruition in my time. He frankly reminded me about this last year and how this quote-unquote weight loss journey healed my anxiety, depression, PTSD, and relationships, and how there is still more to come. You see, he is not preparing me to look good in the world, but to make him look good to the world through me. I'm going to say that one one more time. He is not preparing me to look good in the world, but to make him look good to the world through me. My name is Cynthia Hoffer, and I am second. Cynthia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dr. Yeah, it's amazing to have you here. And I want to just start with your story. I know bits and pieces, you know, we've connected several times in office hours in the community. I know that you have a history of addiction. I know that you have a history of tough relationships and loss, and you can share whatever you're comfortable sharing. But I think to give people a little bit more of a context of where were you before you joined Zivli a year and a half ago? I think that that'll be helpful for them to understand the healing that you've had over the last year and a half. Okay. Well, um, to start with it, um, I think uh, my mental health is, and uh, back in 2018, I, um, I had um, a work-related injury where I ended uh, up with a torn meniscus, uh, two very bad knees, bone on bone, and um, a nervous breakdown where I was diagnosed with uh, anxiety, PTSD, and depression. So um, I needed help, and I found a Christian counselor, and I went and I did that for two years. And it was it was cool. Uh, she she was great, more like a friend. Uh, taught me to trust and just. Um, be real and walked, you know, walked with me through that first two years. And then she left, she moved away. So I was kind of left with, you know, the breathing and everything, but still quite um, not in my right mind. Um, so I got a counselor. Well, first um, <laughs> I was on YouTube and I ran across uh, one of your podcasts and you were talking about helping people over a certain age you know, and insulin resistance. And, you know, I I don't really know, but I remember it was like God was drawing me to you and you just wanted to help people my age and you were happy about it and you were young. And it's like, it it felt, I don't know, it felt genuine. So I prayed about it. I joined your group, but then uh, there was a door opened in a mental health clinic here where I could get a new counselor. And so uh, through going to your groups and going to counseling, let me back up a minute. I actually went into the counseling place with this big cloud over my head. I was just not present at all and really oppressed. I'd been through a lot. Um, and so um, I did the same thing when I came to the first meeting with you. And um, it was just not good. And so I was going to counseling and I was going to the meetings and through the, the, the counseling and the meetings, 
I remember on, on my way to uh, Yosemite talking to you over the phone, you know, or doing the meeting over the phone and us focusing on my mental health and deciding that we needed to focus on my mental health, not essentially just the weight. And so the, in the counseling, the counselor, she says, oh, okay, well, then we'll just work on the stuff that you guys are working together. And then I realized that the cognitive behavioral therapy and the mindset work we were doing and the stuff that I was doing, like in AA and Celebrate Recovery and different uh, life groups that I've been part of, all meshed together. They were all uh, pretty much um, what I call replacing the lies with the truth, you know, or in the Bible, as the Bible says, the truth will set you free. So I just went about replacing the lies with the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember the one, I think I remember that conversation specifically because it was during office hours and you were just kind of overwhelmed and you were like, I'm trying to do the Zibli program. I'm trying to do my counseling and I just don't know where to start. And I think so many people are stuck in that overwhelm of like, I don't really know where to start. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Your mental health comes first, always and forever. If you're not mentally healthy, if you're dealing with anxiety, if you're dealing with depression, it's really hard to follow through on the health-related action items. And I just want to future pace. I know we're skipping way ahead, but I wanted to read something that you had posted in the community like a year later, a year and a half later. And this was kind of like after you had gone through this healing process, which we're going to talk about, but just to give people the sense of where you started and then kind of where you got to is pretty incredible. So she decided she went through this huge over a year long, you know, journey to lose quote unquote, the mental weight and really to improve her mental health. And then she posted this in the community. She said, boy, it feels so different this time. This time, meaning like going through the Zibli program, she decided to kind of go through it again, go through the course content. It does not feel like a burden. There has been room made in my mind, my life and emotions. I'm not trying to overfill space where there was no extra room. With more stress gone, not worrying, tired of TV, having a healthy schedule and not up in other people's problems, now there is room for these healthy behaviors. And so I think what I wanted to to go through next was what did you have to remove from your mind for there to be room? Like what are some of those lies or limiting thoughts that you really worked through over that year? Well, you know, me and boundaries, right? Yeah. Um, That, you know, I was going to mention that first. I had to set some very healthy boundaries in my life. Um. And a lot of it has to do with blaming because when I don't set, when I didn't set the healthy boundaries, right, I would be uncomfortable. I would do things because I was trying to please people or I felt like I was obligated or I was just, um, I won't say I was being manipulated, but it felt like I was being manipulated or whatever, or, you know, overly responsible. And so when I would do those things, then I would resent people. And then I would eat to make myself feel better. You know, so one of the things I had to do was set up healthy boundaries. And um, sometimes it seemed a little harsh to people, especially one with my counselor. But 
it, it's like, for instance, I just had to quit communicating with people until they, because when you start on a healing journey and you set up boundaries or you start behaving differently, people will try to pull you back into the old behaviors because that's where their comfort zone, that's where they've been conditioned to be at. Well, I was tired of being there. So I would set up healthy boundaries. And sometimes I just have to quit stop talking to people, you know, until they kind of woke up and said, hey, what's going on? Because you threaten, I would threaten and threaten and threaten, but I wouldn't follow through with my threats. Please, you know, do this or please don't do that. And, it, you know, it, it wasn't going through. But eventually they would say, hey, what's going on? And then they'd actually hear me and hear that what I'm trying to do is a good thing. And as it caught on in my family and circles, whatever, mostly family, people started responding. They start responding differently. And it, it turned out to be a great thing, you know, getting understanding in relationships and everything. Um, I had to let go of some friendships because they were not healthy. Um, on my part and the other person for the same thing. You get into this stream of behaviors. You get into these, you know, I won't say clicks, but you, you have to change things for things to change. I've heard that before. You have to make changes for things to change. So boundaries, people pleasing, um, how I felt about myself. I had to accept me. You know, I, I just realized that I walk around now and... I'm actually weighing a little bit more than I did when I started the program physically, but mentally I, I'm like at a zero, uh -huh. <laughs> at least the 10 pounds, whatever. But um, I had, I would walk around and I would just hate the way I looked, you know? And so, but today it's like, um, I'm worthy. I'm worth it. I don't know why I look the same in the mirror, but I don't see the same person. I love the person I see. And it helps that my daughter always says, mom, I don't know if I can say this, man, your butt looks good. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> She's always complimenting me because, you know, anyway, it's just a, a whole new dynamic. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I, I have love for myself. I have love for other people. I had to change my mindset about other people. And like I said, blaming people for what my decisions were. I had to take responsibility for myself. Talk you to me about that. Yeah. What did you have to take responsibility for? <laughs> okay. You ever try to change other people? Yeah. Like high school boyfriends? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't change people. You can only change you. And we all know that. But putting it into practice, you know? Why didn't you close the curtains? Well, why didn't I close the curtains? Why are you talking during the television program? Well, why am I not in another room while the television watching TV when I know people have to walk through the place? You know, you expect other people. I expected other people to move and change their lives to make me comfortable instead of me taking responsibility for my behaviors, my thoughts and my actions and making myself comfortable. You know, I was thinking about something earlier today and I don't exactly remember what it was, but wow, 
anyway. You were talking about um, people pleasing and yeah. uh, perfectionist and how I wanted you to talk to, to that because I think a lot of people listening to the show are high achievers, perfectionists, myself included, you know, that I'm open with a group about right. high expectations of myself and my husband and how we've had to really reconcile that and get over it essentially and release those expectations of perfectionism. Um, how, what has helped you with that? Well, as I said earlier, um, God, yeah. uh, straight up the Lord, you know, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you know, speaks to my heart. And it was a lot of hard lessons. I'd, uh, you know, say something to my husband, my husband to do something. And I just, I need a better word for that, nag at him, you know, mm-hmm. just Found him and and the Lord, I wake up in the morning where it's quiet and I'd be getting up and the Lord would say something to me, like something similar to what I said to him in that same tone and everything. And I said, well, Lord, why are you speaking to him in that way? Well, that's the way you speak to your husband. Whoa. Okay. Or I expect you to do this. And, you know, and I'm thinking, well, how can I, well, how can your husband, you know, or, you know, or anybody else, my son, I'm retired right now. And so I don't have a big circle of people, mostly my family, but, and this is where I learned my lessons, you know, and it's about just hitting walls and, and, and saying, Hey, you know what? You're right. You're right. They probably feel like I felt, you know, at the time. And, um, what was the other one? Well, you're talking about perfectionism, high expectations, and it sounds like, you know, God really put it on your heart to say, well, look at it from their point of view. Right, right. Look at it from their point of view. And so I start having to think about what they would be thinking or how, you know, they would or how I would feel if I was in their place, if I was talking to them like that or. Yeah. It reminds me of a, I heard on another podcast this, he was a dad and he was like, you know, if we had friends that treated us, how our kids treat us, we would not be friends with those people. If they were like waking us up three times a night and throwing up and expecting us to come change their poopy diapers. And you know, I want this, I want this, I want this. We would not be friends with that person. And I have a very wise friend. um, And I did not think this, but my wise friend thought she's like, yeah, but look at it the other way. You know, I bet our friends or our children wouldn't choose to be friends with someone who tells them what to do every day, all day long, go to bed, brush your teeth, get your jammies on, get a book. It's like, we're so bossy, you know? And it's like, so I think really placing ourselves in the other person's shoes can do, do wonders for our relational health. Um, and then just releasing those high expectations that place unnecessary pressure on ourselves and others to perform right, right. realistic expectation. Right. And, and that just releases some of that internal weight, kind of like you're, right. you're, that's part of the mental weight that you lost. But, you know, that's not the only lie that I think that you carried for a long time. Um, what are some of the other lies that you really had to work through over the last uh-huh. year, year and a half? I don't know. I, I talked about not being good enough, blaming, having to have healthy boundaries. Um, you, 
you'd mentioned one about putting yourself first. And I think a lot of people listening are probably women who are caretakers in some capacity who struggle with that. So can you talk a little bit about how you got over that one and started yes. putting yourself first? Well, I've always been a caretaker. I've always been putting up, putting other people first, either because of guilt or shame or the way I was raised or uh, again, not feeling good enough, masking, people pleasing, whatever, or uh, I think I can do it better than anybody else. I'm superwoman, but um, I had to start putting myself first. When people mentioned it at first, it was like, I can't do that. I've got to take care of everybody else. And then somebody mentioned putting on the airplane. Yeah, on the oxygen. And it said, what if you're in an airplane and it was going to go down and your kids were there with you? And what would you do? Put the mask on them or put it on yourself? And I said, I put it on myself. That way I could take care of them. And I kind of started that, um, that journey of saying, okay. And as, as I did that, you know, and found that uh, to be true, you know, I, um, I just started taking care of me. And the way I took care of me is the things that we've already talked about, you Mm -hmm. know, having boundaries. Um, Like I said, uh, for instance, it comes to my mind whenever somebody would come in and I have a plan about what I'm going to be doing. Somebody would come in and they'd interrupt that plan, you know, and then I go off and then I feel unhealthy um, because I, I feel offended or angry and then I eat and then I feel unhealthy and then I'd be sick. Oh my God. That was one of the, uh, the um, processes, I guess, that I went through, I would do something for somebody, I get angry, I come home and I stuff my face and I make myself sick so that somebody could come and take care of me. That was my self-care. Hmm. And I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I was an alcoholic and, and, and a drug addict and I, came, and I came to the Lord and I came to recovery. And um, um, I don't understand why I keep losing my thoughts. Okay. I'm glad we, we've touched base a lot offline too. So I can kind of help bring you back to those thoughts. But uh-huh. um, you were talking about that cycle and like that cycle of your, your self-care was making yourself upset and then eating and then getting sick and then having someone take care of you and like right. that, your self-care and that had to radically change. Right. So I remember I, I felt like I didn't have a choice when I got to recover, I felt like I didn't have a choice. And then people introduced me to Christ. Right. And I found out there was a better way of life. It's the same thing as this. There is a better way to get self-care, and that's to take care of me first. Mm-hmm. Take care of me first. Then now, if my son asks for a right, I'm not resenting it. I say yes, or I say no, and I mean it. I make priorities in my life. My priorities is God, my mental health, my physical health, you know, my husband, my family, my children in that order. And I have a routine that I try to stick by, but not perfectionism, you know, 
perfectly. And then if I can fit you in that, then I'll do it. That takes away the resentment, the fear, the anger, the blame, the transference, all of those dysfunctional behaviors and reactions that I had before that just kept me spun out in, you know, eating and eventually put me in a mental health situation. So Um, I have a question that I've never asked you before. You mentioned, you know, substance addiction, alcohol, did your propensity to turn to food to calm your emotions happen after you stopped using alcohol and other substances? Oh yeah. I've always been a size 12 until I got into recovery. I never had problems with my weight. Yeah. I, I got into recovery. I got married. I got my children back and we started eating the way I was raised to eat. And then when things would get, you know, upsetting or get some stress, then I get a soda or, you know, I cycled through a few things and ended up, you know, just with soda and candies and just, uh, I didn't even realize I was fixing my feelings with food until I, you know, put on a hundred pounds. Yeah. So, and, then, and then it's, yeah. cool. <laughs> but it, uh, to answer your question, I, um, I was mostly an alcoholic and I mostly drank beer. So beer is mostly sugar. Mm-hmm. When I got in recovery, I replaced the beer with a sticker, Snickers and Sprite. I go to my recovery program every morning on the way to the bus, me and my daughter, I'd stop at the store and we'd get a Snickers and Sprite and head to the recovery program. So I never really, I don't feel like I ever was in recovery, even though I did the drugs and alcohol because I replaced it with other sugary substances. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm finally in recovery because I don't. I told you I got delivered from the, uh, the, uh, the caffeine, but I have got my sugar under control now too. Yeah. Week. I haven't quit it altogether, but I've got a program. I wanted to talk about the caffeine because that was such a, I I feel like I'm remembering office hours where you were like in the midst of it. Cause we were actually going to do this interview several weeks ago, but you said, I'd like a little bit more time. Cause I'm really in the thick of the, uh, caffeine and like stopping caffeine and sugar. And you just didn't feel as mentally clear as you wanted to for the interview. So can you talk about your experience with, let's start with choosing to stop drinking caffeine and reduce the sugar. Like how did you arrive at that choice? Well, I did a lot of podcasts. I did. I learned uh, your program and just, just looking up what, you know, I did some research on what the withdrawals are actually what, the harm that it was doing to my body and how it raised, you know, triggered different things. And uh, so I decided that I really didn't need it. And it was one of my go-tos, you know, when I wanted to relieve stress or uh, comfort myself, I go to caffeine. So, and uh, so what I did was I decided I wanted off of it. It took about a year, but um. What even gave me the strength was, I think, getting off of the mental health medication. Oh, yeah. Will you talk about that too? Yeah. Yes. Um, After getting into this program and the counseling, they uh, said that, they asked me if I wanted to try, you know, some antidepressant or mental health. I forget what specifically it. uh, Was it Prozac? Prozac. Yes. Prozac. 
So, and I'd been against it. Oh my God, so much. But by this point, like six months into it, I was willing to do anything. I was willing to do anything to get my mental health back. And so I took the medication about six months and it came about to where I, I felt like the Lord was saying, you know, you have enough. We're good. You can stop. And so um, I checked with my providers, of course, and they said, it's been long enough. Go ahead and try it. And um, or they gave me a, a window, they gave me a window. And I guess I think my counselor and the, the medicine lady had left, but they gave me a window. Lord said it's time. So I got off of it and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. For the next two weeks, I felt jittery. I felt all of those things that you feel when you get off of uh, psych drugs and um, the headaches, nausea, the disconcerting, the confusion and things like that. And just things I didn't feel getting off the drugs and alcohol because I had some help and I was totally busy. But after getting off of that, I thought, okay, that didn't kill me. Yeah. So it took a few more months. And so I was able to get off of the, the, uh, the caffeine, but the, um, uh, one of the differences in that is I woke up one morning and the Lord said, uh, you're done. And I, I'll use the, the language I was delivered from it. Mm-hmm. And from then on, I, I haven't felt the urges, the feelings that I felt before, like I had to have it. I'll call it a desperation. They haven't come back. Mm-hmm. I spent three months. It's been since the beginning of the year. And you know, when stuff is gone, because I said a long time, the sugar, oh, the sugar and the caffeine. And I have been struggling with those for a long time and this might be it, but it's different. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't want it. But I did. I went through those same withdrawal symptoms that I went through, but even worse. The headaches were severe. But like I said, uh, you know, the first few days is fine. Then you get to this place where it's really, really hard. You you can hardly move. And it's like a flu. Yeah. You know, and then you slowly come out of it. So, yeah. yeah. The caffeine withdrawal was, you know, this was hard for me too. I think for four to six weeks, my energy was just so low. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like I might be pregnant again because I was so tired and I felt like really foggy mentally. Um, And it's sad, you know, it's like, it is a little hit to our brain. Um, And so I think our brain has to adjust to having fewer hits, so to speak, you know, of whatever our substance of choice is, whether that's sugar, whether that's caffeine, whether that's alcohol, um, anything you have to kind of your brain receptors for dopamine have to kind of say, okay, what's going on here? Where's my hits? (laughs) How am I going to be happy without this substance? Um, so I, I share those experiences with you. I'm, I'm really interested about your sugar journey. And I think it's awesome that you're doing kind of like one major one at a time. You know, you did the Prozac then the caffeine. Now you're focusing on the sugar. So will you kind of walk me through how that's been going for you and what tools have you been implementing to help with any cravings that might be coming up? So um, what I'm doing right now 
and where I'm at now is that I haven't taken out all the sugar. I've um, come to the place where a lot of things um, that I eat and be, I've eaten before, uh, donuts, candy bars, ice cream, pie, uh, specific things that I, I really like or did like. And it started out uh, actually a while back where when I ate a donut, I just, I taste the, the flour. I tasted, I tasted the ingredients instead of the sweetness. That was, that was a, that was a trip. But <laughs> anyway, recently, <laughs> recently I'm, I really, I really like some of the things, but I like them in moderation. It's like, I've learned that when the taste is gone, I've learned not to sit there and eat it because it's in front of me and, and finish it. Number one, I've learned when the excitement's gone to stop eating it. And uh, I've learned uh, which ones really taste good and which ones I was just eating. I've learned, um, like I was going around the corner the other day and I saw a coffee shop and I thought, wow, I'm hungry. Well, I wasn't hungry. I wanted some caffeine and I wanted a hit. The Lord says, hey, Cynthia, you didn't want anything until you saw that coffee place. And I thought about it. So I went a little deeper into my mind and I wasn't hungry. I was just seeing something. It triggered something inside of me and I just went for it, you know? And so I just went around the corner, forgot all about it. I didn't really want it. Mm -hmm. I'm just really mindful of when something comes up, you know, like sweetness. Am I trying to fill a hole that only God can fill? Am I lacking something? You know, um, am I really hungry or do I want something sweet? You know, um, I won't eat out of emotions. I don't eat out of emotions. And right now I'm at a place where, okay, I've only done the first, I'm on the third one about sleep. So I haven't really gotten down to 24 grams a day of sugar. Mm-hmm. But I have placed a limit on myself that even the fructose, because of the teaching, um, I won't have anything sweet afternoon because I'm working on my sleep. Yeah. And I'm trying to limit if I have a cup of tea, I'll put some honey in it, but I won't have a smoothie that day or I won't have a dessert that day. I'll just have one sweet that day mm-hmm. and it's for noon. And that, it's a process, you know. I've started here and went there and this, and now that's where I'm at. And the biggest thing is that using that system that, that we have is that uh, being in that place, I'm not rushing. You know, I'm not rushing because I've tried to rush. I've tried to stop. Okay, sugar's bad. Stop sugar. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Yeah. You know, taking the steps slowly and it doesn't stress me out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing when you accept where you're at and what's going on and that it's a process. Like one of the other things beside acceptance I have right now is a long mind, uh, long journey mindset. Yep. Okay. It's going to happen. Drugs and alcohol happen. I got delivered from that. The caffeine happened. You know, other things have happened in my life. So this is going to happen. I don't have to rush it. It's going to be in God's way and God's timing. 
you know? I weigh more, like I said, weigh more now than I did, you know, when I started the journey, even though I fit in the same clothes because um, I got a lot more muscle, but um, it's okay. Yeah. I think there's such a, first of all, there's such a weight stigma. And then I think so many of our people come from like a weight watchers background where there's such an overemphasis on the scale. And I didn't even think about it till right now. I've literally never asked you how much weight you've lost or if you've lost any weight. Like, I think that's really important for people to, to understand and see is like, it's about so much more than weight loss. You know, like this is about your life. This is about your health. This is about your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, and the weight loss will come in due time. Yes. yes. I know, right. know it's going to come. Mm-hmm. I just know it. And I'm, you know, it's like one of those suddenlies we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Suddenly. <laughs> and it's not With like the work. Expect- With the work. Yes. Yeah. And you don't expect instant gratification. And I think a lot no. of people when they start some sort of weight loss journey, they have so many preconceived expectations about how much weight I'm supposed to lose a week and what the process is supposed to be like. And I think God shattered any of those preconceived expectations for you, but he's given you so much more in return for what you didn't expect. Like, you know, like you didn't get what you expected. You got so much more that you didn't so expect much more. so much more healing, yes. um, but you've done the work. And I think that we really have to highlight one of the ways in which you excel. Um, anyone who's listened for a long time knows that mindset is part of our process, part of our program, and that we teach something called a personal faith formula. Um, and yours is like the example, uh, in, in the course, you know, for like, okay, you want an example of how you do it? Like, here's, here's an example. Your growth list is so beautiful. Um, and so I wanted you to talk through like those documents and what they mean to you and how you have used them on this journey to healing your mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical health. Now the, uh, the, Obstacle, obstacles and thought list or the uh, faith formula? Let's start with the, the faith formula first. Okay. So how have you used that? Um, what have you found most helpful for that? What are some insights that you've gained that you wouldn't otherwise have if you weren't using it? Well, the faith formula is pretty much changing our mindset. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's about uh, our subconscious thoughts. And I, uh, before this, I had uh, got some books by Dr. Caroline Leaf. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's about the plasticity of the mind. And she used good trees and bad trees and went through all the science. And I went through all of that. And so when you started talking about the subconscious mind and everything, I recognized it. But it's just like in these just four or five uh, paragraphs. And so reading that every day, like today, like, like still today, it puts my mind in the mindset of, hey, this is how we're starting our day. I get up and I read my Zibli mindset and it just, it pretty much puts me, um, puts me in a mind to think about what I'm thinking about. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then each time I went through it, I would uh, underline a different 
thing like being consistent or the dominant mindset or what else? There's, there's other ones, follow through. Whatever it was that I was dealing with over this last year and a half, because it's like reading the Bible. When you read it, you get something different out of it. Okay, I need to work on consistency. That would be highlighted to me. So I'd underline it. And every time I would read through it, that would be something I would be working on. You know, and I, I changed some of the wording, being wholly reliant, wholly accountable, you know, taking responsibility for the, my actions and inactions. All of these different things that um, I would read every day would, be, would just come alive off the, the thing. And that would be the thing that I'd work on that day. And then at the end, I'm a person of integrity. So when I signed my name to it, it's like, okay, I gave my word. I'm going to do this. Yeah. So even though I've changed my why <laughs> several times, uh, the other things really, um, they changed my life. Right. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really helps um, clarify the whole process of creating. It really helps clarify what you want. I think it's interesting how many people go through life, not really knowing what they want, but they know what they don't want. And so I think by putting it down on paper, like what, why do you want to get healthy? Like, what can you do when you're healthy that you're not able to do now? Like who is waiting for you to get healthy? Um, And getting really granular and specific helps you think the kinds of thoughts that create the types of emotions that spur you on to follow through consistently to get the results you want. But if we don't have that like mindset foundation, I think we often get lost in like the strategy instead of like, like the strategies are always going to change, you know, like what you're really focused on for your action items, as we call them, are going to change. But your why is actually pretty consistent and the mindset stuff is pretty consistent. And so I think someone who's listening, maybe if you've, if you've struggled with like self-sabotage or if you've struggled with like negative critical self-talk, that's kind of what we're talking about here. It's like, we really have to dial in that mindset piece so that we can consistently follow through on whatever strategy we want to implement but we kind of teach that's part of it. And then the other part of it, uh, we call it now our growth list. And that's kind of where you listed out kind of what are my obstacles, you know, and what are my limiting thoughts? Um, because you can know what you want, but there's always going to be things that get in the way. And so reading that each day is so powerful, but I think reflecting on, okay, great, but what's also getting in the way right now? And you are a master at this. You are so good at looking ahead for the day and identifying your obstacles and making a proactive plan for them. Um, do you want to speak to that at all? Or was that, was that a skill that you had before you joined was that, you know, grew inside this program or how are you so good at that? You're talking about creating the the list or following through with the list? Both. You're very good at self-reflection. Yeah. I remember in AA when we did the fourth step, it was like, you know, who do you resent? Why do you resent them? What is your part? So I remember writing all of that down and then expanding it and going in through all the different emotions that I had and then putting my resentment, who it was, but I also put at the end, what is God saying about it? Mm-hmm. So I, like 10 pages 
of this. So I kind of transferred that into this, but it's more um, like that's what I was dealing with then. This is what I'm dealing with now. So I that process. That's why when I sent that to you, it was like in an outline form because I have, I've, you know, done that before, but uh, it was a whole new list. These were the obstacles and the limiting thoughts that I was having at the time. And as they came up, I would list them and then list, you know, the, um, the opposites or what I could do. So as I went through the day, like I, I list about worry, you know, okay, what was I worried about? Okay, I worried about this and I check, okay, what have I learned about that? Or what did the Bible say about that? Or, you know, just praying about it. And I would just list all of the things. And then I list the solution. And then I would try to apply them to my life at that time. You know, some took a lot longer than other things. Mm-hmm. You know, overeating, emotional eating. Some of them I put down like for, uh, what was it? The caffeine, I think it was, and what it did, what I learned through your program, what it actually did to my body, you know, or, or other podcasts, what it actually did. I write down all the negative things it would do to my body. <laughs> and um, I remember one thing I said something about food, food-like substances. And my thoughts about food-like substances, oh, I want to eat that. Oh, that's going to taste good. Oh, you know, whatever those unconscious mind because I'm not thinking consciously okay I'm gonna eat this sugar it's gonna rush me up and then I'm gonna crash and then I'm gonna need more and to rush me up I'm thinking I need that you know but I wrote down what it actually did in my body I noticed over time that it would dry out my eyes my eyes would be in pain my stomach would hurt I would get you know rushes and I just listed all the negative things and so that's a form of actually changing my mind because when I go to eat them or, or want them, you know, I've learned to, okay, what is going to happen to me if I have this? And is it worth it? Is it worth what I'm going to go to? Sometimes I said, yes, yep. worth it. And I went through the pain. Yep. But then again, I didn't give the responsibility to somebody else for the way I was feeling. Totally. So, yeah. So I just went through, like you said, there's a long, a really long list of things that I had to rethink and uh, reconfigure in my life so that I can get out of that dysfunctional behaviors, that cycle of insanity, you know? And um, and in office hours, you had mentioned too, that it's so much better now. It's like, without the caffeine with, with less sugar, like you feel so much better now that you don't want to go back anymore. It's like, what did you say? Like, like this life is too good. Like, how did you word that? I can't remember exactly. Uh, I think that's what I said. This, this life is too good. Yes. Yeah. Remember, but that sounds familiar. I mean, for a time I just, and it doesn't just go from there. You know, it's like, I'm in the addiction, you know, the sugar, caffeine, whatever. And then I felt lost, you know, going past the store. You never realize how many times you go to the store to buy goodies until you stop going. Mm, How many stores you went to to buy specific things until you stopped. Okay. And then when you stop that, then you're kind of lost 
what do I replace it with? Right. Okay. Then you got to find something healthy to replace it with. And the things you might pick sometimes lead our back to the other stuff. But I had to navigate that too. I found some awesome things. Like I told you, I get up every morning and I watch specific, healthy, God-focused things. Not not always, but, you know, in the morning in my Zivli, you know, uh, faith document, my rocks and action items. That's how I start my day. We were talking about before that mindset thing. I remember getting up in the mornings and having no focus at all. Get up in the morning, however I felt when I got out of bed, that's what I brought into my day. Yeah. But now I have a purpose. I get up in the morning. I know what time I get up. I know what I'm going to do. And I know how I'm going to feel because my mind has a specific thing that I'm going to do. And it's going to be healthy. It's going to fill my glass and it's going to protect my glass. Yeah. Yep. One other thing that you've said that I've really remembered just because I think it's catchy is, um, you know, fueling your body, not uh, feeding your flesh. And I think for people of faith, you know, that's a more biblical way to say it, but like, how often are we choosing to feed the flesh instead of fuel the body? And so I have caught myself saying that several times since I heard you saying that when I'm tempted to overeat on the sweets, like if I'm having an exception meal, it's like, don't feed your flesh. It's not, it's not, um, like you, you know, sometimes I choose to eat something that's not healthy because I want it. And I'm like, is this worth it? Yeah, it's worth it today. Um, I know that I'm going to have to deal with some sort of repercussion from it, but I'm still going to choose that. Um, but I just, I just wanted to point that out that that was something really helpful for me that you've said during office hours in the past, like, okay, fuel your body, don't feed the flesh. Um, I think the other thing that I wanted to highlight, just a fun memory is when you shared that you were able to like walk, um, across the park. Do you want to talk on that? Cause that was a pretty cool, a pretty cool. Yeah. Memory. I was talking about weighing more and I, uh, it's not like I got fat or I was just getting stronger from doing things, actually doing things. And so, uh, I went and picked up my grandkids, me and my husband, and I used to take them to the park, right? And uh, I would drop them off at the park and I'd sit across the street in the disabled parking, facing them and watch them play. And without even thinking, a few weeks ago, my husband and I went and picked them up and our, our grandson and took them to the park. And I walked out. I was walking out towards the park. Usually I have so much pain that, you know, I can't go any further. I got to get my walker. And I just kept walking. And I kept walking and I ended up over there by at the bench. Right. And then I went to the other side of the bench. I mean, of you know, the playground. Yeah. And I went back, you know, as they were playing different places so you could see them, you know. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm doing all this walking and I'm able to do it. Uh-huh. So, you know, yeah. Now when I go in the grocery store, sometimes I try to get the cart, uh, you know, the walk the cart where I walk. Mm-hmm. Not I haven't done any too much stuff in the morning. I can just do more than I did before. And it makes me feel, you know, hopeful. Yeah. You know, there's a bright, there's a bright light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And it's just like, as a PT, that story really struck me because the, the gift to walk is so taken for granted for, um, the gift of mobility uh, is so, so commonly taken, you know, we just don't think about it. We don't, 
we're not grateful enough for it. And to hear you say, I, you were just so excited. You're like, I walked, I walked across the park and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish we could trim this little video and send it to like, good morning America for like the, (laughs) you know, the happy moment that they share because your joy in that moment was so awesome and so contagious. And um, I know that we've just really touched the tip of the iceberg with your story. And I'm really, really grateful that you came on to share your wisdom and insight. And I, I feel like your story will really connect with people um, because I think a lot of people are stuck in shame that and guilt and like indecision and overwhelm, which I think you have a lot you've dealt with, and then you've kind of come to the other side. So I think to see someone go through that and walk through that and tell them that it's not easy and it doesn't, and it's going to take a while and it's going to take some thought work. Um, it might take some counseling. Like, I think you're such a ray of hope. You know, you're talking about hope. It's like, well, you're that ray of hope for other people. So thank you. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to share with um, the community today? Any other insights or wisdom? No, I'm just, you know, mental health, physical health. I think mostly everything that goes, in our, goes on in our lives is a gift from God. And if we trust him, He's going to bring it to fruition. The things that we need in our life are going to come to pass. We put one foot forward and he helps us the rest of the way. And, um, you know, my favorite saying, gift of time. Oh, I love that one. How did I not bring that up yet? Will you, (laughs) will you just kind of elaborate on that really quick? Because that was so powerful. We are living in a time of instant gratification and I moved, moved, moved when I worked, when I raised my children, even afterwards, I was going, going, going to doctor's appointments or whatever. And when COVID hit, it was just like, okay, I had to slow down. I couldn't do anything. So it was a time when I learned to just take one thing at a time, put one thing, one foot in front of the other, because every time I tried to rush something, I get knocked down. As I started doing that, my mind started calming. My body started calming. People around me started calming. I didn't expect as much of myself. I didn't expect as much of others. It's just a peaceful thing to be in. Giving myself the gift of time, giving God the gift of time to work on whatever he's going to work on in my life instead of being angry because it didn't happen today. Like I said, it's just a place. It puts me in a place of peace. And that's what we all need is a little bit of peace in our life. Yep. So yeah, I think I quote you directly in the program somehow, like give yourself the gift of time. Don't rush this process. And I think that's one of the ways I've talked in a recent episode of like increasing the believability of a goal. You know, it's like, oh, I want to lose 80 pounds in this year. And like, that might make you feel tight inside. But what if you release the time frame? period, like just release any time bound goals and trust that you are where you're supposed to be. You're learning what you're supposed to learn and that God's going to bring you there in, in his own time. But there's so many rich experiences and lessons to learn along the way that if we're impatient, if we're frustrated, we miss those. So I love love that and i so appreciate your time speaking of today thank you um i'll see you again soon bye all right
Thanks for listening to the Reshape Your Health podcast today. To learn more about Zivli, our online course and coaching program to reverse insulin resistance for long-term weight loss and disease prevention, check out our website at www.zivli.com. That's Z-I-V-L-I.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a rating and review on your listening platform and share it with a friend. I'll talk with you at the same time, same place next week. Bye for now.